You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7. Hi, you're listening to the final ever show of the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7 with Sarah Booth, Celine Farah, and Bethany Hayes. On today's show, we look at the controversial outcome of The Bachelor, give you our hot or not moments from the week for the last time, and are you three years old? Find out why you might be able to go to preschool for free. Plus, we take you through our favourite weekly wrap moments in today's final episodes. And you can tweet us your favourite moments from the weekly wrap for a mention on the show. You're listening to the weekly wrap on Sin 90.7. And here are your news headlines for the day. A woman has been arrested after she stabbed a man during a fight at a southeast Melbourne home yesterday. Police were called to a home on Dave Avenue, Clyde North, just before 6pm and charges are yet to be laid. 14-month-old conjoined twins Nima and Dawa have undergone the first in a series of tests to determine whether they will be fit for delicate separation surgery. The Bhutan girls who are joined at the torso spent yesterday having various tests and scans done at Melbourne's Royal Children's Hospital to give doctors an idea of when the operation can proceed. A massive blaze has engulfed a factory in Melbourne's southeast overnight. Residents in three nearby homes were evacuated just before 10pm yesterday as flames took on the furniture removal business in Hyatt. Investigators returned to the scene this morning and are currently determining the cause of the fire. Heavy rain has hit large parts of New South Wales with some outback areas breaking two decade-old records for the biggest October rainfall. But forecasters from the Bureau of Meteorology warned there will need to be follow-up rain to see a real difference to our farmers. And a search is underway for four men who haven't returned from a fishing trip at Rottnest Island off Perth. The 50-year-old boat owner, along with three other family members, left Cockburn Sound on Wednesday night but has not returned. Water Police would like to hear from anyone who may have been boating at Rottnest Island on Thursday and seen the vessel. And a body has been found following a small house fire in regional Victoria. Emergency service crews were called to the Kenworthy Place property in Ballarat around 8am this morning and extinguished the fire. The cause of death remains unknown. And in Melbourne today, it is sunny and currently 21 degrees Celsius. And now here's Celine with your entertainment and sports news. Thanks, Bethany. On the Bachelor Australia finale, Nick Cummins turned down both Brittany Hockley and Sophie Tymon, leaving New Caledonia a single man. More on this later in the show. Over to America, actresses Amy Schumer and Emily Ratajkowski were detained while taking part in a protest against Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court on Thursday. In British GQ's November issue, actor Johnny Depp has expressed frustration over being seen as a violent man after prior abuse claims made by his ex-wife Amber Heard. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex have taken their first trip to the country that their royal titles are named after. Chinese star Fan Bingbing has been reportedly released from residential surveillance at a designated location after having not been seen in public or on social media in months. That's all for entertainment news. To sports now. The Bulldogs have confirmed their interest in Chad Wingard, while Tim Kelly could be leaving Geelong. In more footy news, former Giants ruckman Shane Mumford is undergoing talks about a possible return to AFL in 2019. To Rugby League, and a second sponsor has walked out on the Canterbury Bulldogs after their Mad Monday saga. 
Cristiano Ronaldo was left off Portugal's national team squad for a pair of upcoming matches, the decision coming Thursday as the soccer star fights rape allegations in the United States. That's all for the news. You're listening to the Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7. And now it's time for our political update, a weekly fave of ours here at the Weekly Wrap. So, Sarah, what's been making news in the world of politics? So, Labor has promised free or subsidised early childhood education for three-year-olds in a $1.75 billion election pledge. Children would have access to 15 hours a week of preschool education in their two years before primary school. These 15 hours would be free for children at state government-run preschools, while children who attend private centres will be subsidised. Under current laws, the federal government only funds early childhood education for four-year-olds. If Labor wins the next federal election, the plan for three-year-olds will be implemented in 2021. The ABC is reporting the Parliamentary Budget Office has calculated the total cost over 10 years to be $9.8 billion. Why does Labor want to fund three-year-old education? Labor says research shows children who receive two years of education prior to school perform much better at school. Internationally, Australia's preschool attendance for three-year-olds is also pretty low. 15% of Australian three-year-olds attend preschool, compared to the OECD average of 78%. And how does the opposition plan to fund this? Labor says they will fund this through changes to negative gearing. What exactly is negative gearing? So imagine, Bethany, if you decided to buy an investment property to rent out. You have a lot of costs to pay for your rental property. You borrowed money from the bank, a mortgage, to buy the house. So every month you have to give some money to the bank. A large amount of those monthly repayments aren't going towards the actual amount of money you owe the bank but the interest on the loan interest on the loan isn't the only cost however you also have to pay bank fees maintenance and repair costs insurance so all those costs are the costs to run an investment property at the same time you're renting out the property to me the money i pay you each week in rent is the property's income if the rent I pay is higher than your costs, your investment property is making you money. You've just got yourself some extra cash. Your investment property is what is referred to as positively geared. However, let's imagine instead you are spending about $30,000 each year on interest repayments and other costs, but I only give you $20,000 in rent. Instead of making money, you have just lost $10,000. This is referred to as a negatively geared property. Losing $10,000 sounds like pretty bad news, but there are some government tax concessions, and this is what Bill Shorten was referring to. So, Bethany, let's say that the weekly rap gets picked up by a commercial radio station. (laughs) Goals. And you now find yourself earning $50,000 a year for your work. An income of $50,000 would mean you have to pay $7,779 in income tax. However, you can apply for negative gearing tax concessions. Remember your investment property? (laughs) Because you lost $10,000 this year on it, you can ask to have your taxable income reduced by $10,000. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to earn less. You're still going to earn your fifty dollars a year at work, but the government will tax you as if you earn $40,000 a year. So you are only going to pay about just under $5,000 in tax compared to the $7,000 beforehand. So you save a bit over $3,000 in tax. This is obviously great news for you. 
you get to pay less tax. However, it obviously means less money for the government. So basically, that's what negative gearing is, being able to pay less tax because a profit, an investment property you own um, is losing you money. Bill Shorten has said he wants to change some of these tax concessions in order to fund the preschool education package. However, he was not specific on what these changes would be or the extent of them. Thanks for that. Now, I understand that preschool funding is not just a federal issue and that the states also need to be involved. Yes, current Aussie law states... Under current Aussie, Aussie law, sorry, states fund 70% of four-year-old preschool costs and the Commonwealth funds the remaining 30%. So... Labor has committed to funding 30% of the cost for three-year-olds to attend preschool, but therefore they need the states to come to the table and fund the remaining 70%. So are any states on board? Uh, Yeah, so Bill Shorten has said that New South Wales and ACT have expressed support and Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has committed to the plan and says that the Victorian Labor government is actually prepared to fund 100% of the cost. So this, I don't think this means that if Labor wins, uh, Victoria will be like, oh, no, nah, we'll, we'll pay all of it. Don't <laughs> you worry about the 30% funding. What I take this to mean is that even if uh, federal Labor does not get elected, um, Victorians will still have free subsidised early childhood education as the state government will provide the 30% funding that a federal Labor would have. And how did the government respond government isn't exactly a fan of Labor's proposal. Federal Education Minister Dan Tien said before looking at three-year-old preschool education, they should improve the four-year-old attendance rate. The main criticism of the plan, however, is the taxpayer cost. Prime Minister Scott Morrison said Labor will make lots and lots of promises. Every time you hear Bill Shorten say he wants to spend more money, know that you're going to pay for it. And how did Shorten respond to the criticism? Shorten defended the cost, arguing, instead of subsidising property investors to get their 10th property, I'd rather invest in our kids' future. He said we've got to stop viewing investing in our kids as a cost. Thank you for the update, Sarah. You're listening to The Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7 with Sarah Booth, Bethany Hayes and Celine. And now... This wouldn't be the weekly wrap-up if we didn't talk about the arguably biggest news (laughs) of the week, which is the shock Bachelor news. Now, spoiler alert if anyone, I don't know, hasn't got around (laughs) to watching it and has somehow managed to stay spoiler-free, in which case you must have magic powers, (laughs) because everyone across Australia is pretty much talking about this right now, about the fact that The Bachelor, not that he made a controversial choice, but that he didn't make one at all. Nick, it was the final two. Sophie got out of the car first. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, well, See it's ya. not her. And he gave her the, it's not you speech. And then he gave the same speech to Brit. Shock. Absolute he, shock. What chose, is the point of the show? He chose neither of them. So I wanted to ask you guys, what was your first reaction when this went down? Okay, so me and my mum had a little conspiracy prior to the show, so we were we were kind of, you know, we thought maybe something big might happen, but when mm-hmm. I saw him let Brittany down, which, for those of you who don't know, Brittany was mine in the sweep and I was banking on her winning, I was just so sad for them. They have to stand there and hold hands with this guy as he tells them I know. that she's I know. not the one. I was heartbroken. What about you, Celine? I was shocked, but mm-hmm. then I kind of thought about it and I thought, 
I almost support his decision mm-hmm. because, like, why would you go into a relationship half-heartedly? Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I guess. But I think, like, in terms of initial reactions, like, it was, I was just very shocked and I was getting texts from my friends and <laughs> the group chat was going off and we were all just uh, absolutely, just, like, completely taken by mm-hmm. surprise. I just had it texting capitals, capitals to group chat, is anyone watching The Bachelor? And then just everyone was like, what is happening? This makes no sense. Um, my friend said that she's losing her mind. I'm about to start crying. Um, another friend, possibly Bethany, uh, said that um, the girl should push Nick in the pool. Wow. Push him in the water. Go me. Um, one friend was saying, can Brit and Sophie be the ones that find love with each other? Oh, Bethany was suggesting that, that um, maybe it was Osha that Nick was going to turn to. <laughs> Nothing's um, off the table. It was just... Absolutely shocking. I know Georgia Love was live tweeting oh, it too. Yeah. If you were checking out the Bachelor AU hashtag on Twitter last night, you were robbed because there were some gems in there. Georgia Love, former Bachelorette, she had some funny ones in there. She starts off by saying, hold up, where's the ring we saw in the first ep preview of the season? Five question marks, which <laughs> I'm still wondering myself. Really could have six question marks. <laughs> and then I know Nick said to one of the girls, I'm not sure which one, he said, thank you for sharing. And she's just tweeted three times in a row, sorry, thank you for sharing. And one of my personal favourites, she goes, I totally get it if he or any bachelor or bachelorette doesn't find the one on the show, but to start bringing up in the finale that you don't know if you're ready to settle down... Nope. And that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, we've kind of covered how we initially felt yes. when uh, it happened. I don't, it, the don't even know the incident. <laughs> but now that we've had some time to reflect, what do you guys some time think? to sleep. What are your guys' kind of reflections 24 hours later? I've basically already said mine. <laughs> I kind of support it because, yeah, really? I would I don't know why. Why would he go into a, a relationship? Mm. not really fully into that, it. That's true. That's true. I feel yeah. like that would cause a lot more just... Than him not choosing yeah, anyone. Yeah. Look, I'm going to be a bit controversial and agree with you. I mm-hmm. At the start, I was like, Nick, what are you doing? You have 24 women and you can't find one. Sorry if that's a bit harsh. But on reflection, I'm thinking... It's better if he doesn't start a relationship he knows it's not long-term or if he knows he can't say I love you. I think it's better in the long-term for the least amount of damage. It would cause more harm if he did that, in my opinion. Yeah. So I did. I definitely do have that view because Mm -hmm. something that I've always uh, wondered about The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is, and something, I think we had a conversation a few weeks back if we would ever go on, and I think one of the things that I said was, well, I could never go wrong on, sorry, I could never (laughs) go on. Because I've always wondered, I mean, what are the chances that, I mean, they pick like, what, 24 people? Tw- yeah, yeah, one about of that. them is the one. That yes. is so, so true. I've always, I mean, I guess they are being picked, like, in terms of, it's not just like 24 random people mm. the producers are trying to find. They also do try to find, you know, the villains. Yeah. But they are also trying to find people who match to your personality. Yes, yeah, And they're kind the of set you up with people who have similar values and qualities. But I still have thought, wondered that. But my issue was that I felt like that wasn't the only reason, as in that wasn't all that Nick was getting at. Ooh. My issue was what Georgia Love has said, that he started being like, I don't know if I'm ready to settle down. Yep. To quote my friend, I didn't watch this whole show for Nick to realise <laughs> he's not, th- not ready to settle down. That's the reason you go on a show like this. Yeah, yeah. and I would have so, thought... Yeah. And also, like, I had to wonder... I mean, I just had a feeling that he wasn't going to pick 
them from the way they were advertising yeah. the episode. A lot of people did call it, yeah, and before because the episode. Brooke left, which we'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. So I then I'm wondering if did he not pick them because it was Brooke? In which case I get, yeah. like, I agree with you in that he shouldn't commit to them if he's yeah. just doing it because, oh, well, I'm the bachelor, I have to choose one. It's better yeah. for him to be honest. But mm-hmm. I, to that I say, if it was Brooke and then she left and he was like, well, I can't pretend that it's these two yes. girls, why didn't he fight more for her to stay? Yeah. Because she left because she said that she, uh, Nick couldn't give her what she wanted, which I found a bit weird because Brooke was saying she was leaving because she couldn't, you know, Nick couldn't tell her back how he felt. And obviously that would be very difficult telling someone, oh, I really like you, and they don't yep. say anything back. But that you know that going on to The Bachelor because they can't give it away. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if Brooke was going to be the one and then when she left, um, he couldn't, he was like, oh, well, I can't choose Brit or Sophie because they weren't the ones I was going to choose. Mm-hmm. And it is clear if you watch the show back that Brooke was definitely one of his favourites. Definitely. Then I wonder, well, why didn't he fight more for her to stay? Yeah. So yeah. I wonder, because that's one theory that, you know, the reason that it wasn't Brit or Sophie is because it was Brooke. But then I'm like, if it was Brooke, mm-hmm. why didn't he fight more for her to say? So honestly, I'm just really confused. I know. I feel like we're all a bit confused. There are rumors flying absolutely everywhere. Did There's you see the whole Cass rumor? Oh yeah, yes. she's gonna. You know what? A little part of me was waiting for her to like come back through yeah. and like make a reappearance. <laughs> and I did want that, but then the uh, advertisement for the Sunday night, so, so oh, Sunday project. Yes. Uh, interview which i think that all of australia will be tuning into yes um it clearly doesn't look like she's with him in that no, no. so i think i'm just very confused because i feel like nick didn't give sophie or brit the explanation he deserved especially in that yeah. sophie's explanation implied that it was going to be brit yeah i think that he either needed to be like look i came on this show to find the one and unfortunately I, you're not it like yeah. you know what i mean yeah because i don't think, truthful if that's really what was yeah happening i don't there. think yeah. you can blame him if you know it would be worse for him to pretend that mm-hmm. one of these girls is and then break up with them later but at least but given, given that, that there was talk reasoning. about during the final episode i don't know if i'm ready to settle down and like his yeah. sister was concerned about brit being too ready to settle down which i was yeah, like I'll... brit was saying she wanted to be on her way to having a kid in five years like yeah. She's very, like I thought that was kind of <laughs> there. I didn't think that was too ready to settle down. But, yeah, I think Nick Cummins, we need an explanation. You're listening to The Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7. Now, guys, BC exams are just around the corner. Sorry for the cruel reminder, but the English exam does start October 31st. We are officially in the month of exams. Oh, How I feel sick scary. thinking about it from two years ago. <laughs> Me too. Those poor year 12s, they're Ugh. working hard. They're probably exhausted right now. And I want to know from you guys' perspective, is VCE, is it a good avenue to, you know, get to uni, to get a score, or is it an outdated system that we really sort of need to fix and modernise and work on? Look, the one point of criticism I definitely get is I feel it doesn't have enough that, it doesn't cater enough for creative students yes Mm -hmm. for sure and like even ones that do media it scales down and it's such a hard subject like it took me the most work in year 12 but Mm -hmm. you get almost no reward out of it yeah and yeah I just feel like they need to cater a lot more for those creative students yeah I would 100% agree with that there is a lot of performance exams going on they start at the start of October performance and language sort of exams so we're looking at people Facing a lot of pressure in those, and they are often the subjects that are scaled down, the sort of exactly. performance ones, things like do. music and mm. drama, 
theatre studies, media even, you know, they've got their final video due. Mm-hmm. It's stressful time and, and, you know, it doesn't make you feel good when these subjects are scaled yeah. down. And like, you know, a lot of these practical subjects do take so much longer yeah, than the sure. other subjects. It's not just a written exam. Exactly, it's difficult exactly. though because, like, I guess... You know, the subjects, I think it can sometimes be a misconception that people think that, like, these creative arts subjects are scaled down because they're arts yeah. and that the mm-hmm. um, other subjects are scaled down because they're, like, maths or science or whatever. But the scaling actually has nothing to do with the topic of a subject. Scaling could technically, in, like, one year a subject could technically be scaled by 10 and next year it could be scaled down by 10 because it's entirely to do with how that cohort of students goes in their other subjects. Mm-hmm. But it is just a very difficult system. And I don't, I think the issue is though, I don't know what an alternative is. Yeah. But I feel like maybe it's the conversations that we need to have in schools because I felt that VCG was geared entirely towards the ATAR. Mm -hmm. And in reality, I think that sometimes you forget that VCG is a. It's a certificate in itself. Like, it's the Victorian Certificate of Education. It's an achievement in itself. But sometimes I felt like it was as if the only point of VC was to get into university, was to get that ATAR. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, I I don't really know how you change that, how you change kind of that culture, but just Mm -hmm. acknowledgement that maybe, like, if you don't want to go to university, then the ATAR is actually completely meaningless. Yeah, it is. correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it irrelevant by the time you're 21? They no longer look at your ATAR at all. Yeah, and speaking speaking to my dad who works in the... uh, recruiting um yeah. so he reads like resumes for a living mm-hmm. um don't put eight stars on resumes <laughs> yeah so they really do become irrelevant so i think maybe that's what i'd change about vcs less of an just maybe reduce the emphasis, emphasis that teachers have on ATARs because yeah. I felt like in class it was constantly talked about mm-hmm. and more an emphasis on just what you learn and what you get out of it. Even by the time I got my ATAR, I was like, crap, what uni am I going to go to? Like, yeah. I was yeah. honestly just thinking about that ATAR, not even after that. Oh, like, you that's know what? The whole I fell into that gave. exact same yeah. trap. I remember being on schoolies. I wasn't even, con- like, all I was cared about was the number. Same, and I feel like same. looking back, there's so much more to your final year of high school. There's so much stress exactly. in that year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should be focusing on supporting these So what advice would we give to these students looking back now? I think that what I would say is that the month of October, if you haven't started really intense studying, you need to start now. Mm -hmm. And that can be quite overwhelming. I know when I was in Utah, it can be really overwhelming, like particularly on weekends or once you enter SWAT back. It can be very overwhelming to wake up and be like, I have to, I have eight hours of study. I have to do today. Yeah, and tomorrow I'm doing the same thing. So how I would think about it is just literally be like, this is a month. Mm -hmm. And then like a few weeks, you know, two weeks in November, depending on how long your exams go for. Just think about that and just what I would say to myself is when it just felt like oh, the last thing I feel like doing is studying right now, you're going to get so bored over your summer holidays. You Everyone says are. this to you, you and do. you're like, what? No, but literally like three days after my exams <laughs> ended, I was almost like, can I have something to do? Like, can I have some homework? Because I was literally so bored. You go from cons- You go from having so much to do to literally having nothing to do, so when the lot just try and hold on to that thought that like literally in six weeks time this is going to be all you over can do whatever you, you are want. going yes. to have three four months like if you say go back go when uni starts or whatever you do you're going to have all that time to do whatever you want to watch all the netflix you want to go to all the parties etc so like just knuckle down for now and like you'll be thankful in the summer 
Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think the two main ones are study as much as you can, just get started by doing a little bit and try and sleep a lot too because we yeah. all know you can't function if you don't sleep. Yeah, Definitely. And Beth, I understand you did a language and also performance and yeah. performance exam. What advice would you give for oral exams and the performance exam? Oh, I put a lot of pressure on myself for those. I was so stressed before. Mm-hmm. I think just go in knowing your stuff and if you go in knowing you've done absolutely everything you can, then nothing that they can say to you or ask you to do or nothing that happens mm-hmm. is going to throw you. If you're prepared, you're fine. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I did languages as well. And the mm-hmm. main thing I would say is know it inside out, back to front. Because yep. you can use that to your your advantage. Exactly. Yeah. I, did, um, I did a language too and I found that in the month before the exam... I would try to speak uh, German, that was the language I was doing, mm-hmm. as much as possible. It even sounds a bit ridiculous, but even just like walking around the house, I would narrate what I was doing. Like if I was having a study break, yeah. I would be like, oh, walking my dog or because like I remember like one time I was like washing the dishes and I was just like having a conversation with yeah. myself in German, just that's describing my best day. Way to do it. Just practice, practice, practice. Listen to shows in that language. Exactly. Yeah, that's just really do. fun. And then like you just put the English subtitles on yeah. and um, it's actually a good tip. So I reckon... That's our tips from us here at the weekly wrap. Good luck, but remember, at the end of the day, your ATAR does not define you. Like we said, it's irrelevant after three years. So if you are disappointed, life goes on. Don't stress. Don't stress. (laughs) And now for possibly our fave game ever, and we are so sad that this is the last time we're going to be playing it. It is hot or not. We look at the week that was, and we decide if the events that happened were hot or if or they were not. not. <laughs> exactly. I love this and one. And to kick us off, I have, I mean, I'm not even going to hide it. I am so, so happy about <laughs> this news. The tampon tax has finally been scrapped. Hot or not. Absolutely bloody hot. hot. <laughs> Should have been done ages ago. Exactly. At least we have it now, though. So I know. It just, oh, it just used to make me so mad yeah. when an item that is necessary for women to be able to go to school and go to work was deemed as a luxury. Um, if you don't, as opposed to when um, other items that were exempted from GST uh, it was done because they were seen as essentials. Um, frankly, if you don't think that women women being able to go to work, uh, study and go to school is essential, then I don't think you have a place in Australian parliament. parliament. You tell us, Amen. <laughs> and what about on a bit of a lighter note, Max Brenner has gone into voluntary administration. Lighter note? Isn't that kind of bad? <laughs> Actually, a bit of a darker note there. <laughs> but if you haven't been to that chocolate shop... Get in while you can, <laughs> I can say. <laughs> they, are, they are going into voluntary administration because of hefty costs and poor sales, apparently. So I'd say not because, you know, not. chocolate's good. I mean, it's probably good for um, my health. Um, <laughs> I haven't been there for a while, though. Delicious, um, it's though. kind of one of those places where you go and it's so good and the food is amazing, but you feel so sick afterwards. Yeah, that's definitely true. I would say it's not a because, definite like, it's, not, um, though. Like, no, I'm not implying, not because it's like food poisoning or anything. <laughs> Just want to clarify that because like it's very rich. It's chocolate. Definitely mm-hmm. not, though. The times I've been there, I've loved it. So, yeah. <laughs> please stay open. <laughs> the next one is a United Airlines plane made an emergency landing safely at a Sydney airport. I heard about this. But... The twist is, they did not tell the passengers. Ooh. What do we think of that? So, when I first heard about this, I was like, what? Surely you'd have to tell passengers yeah. there was an emergency. But they read into it, and the emergency was more of a protocol, mm-hmm. kind of a 
safeguarding kind of emergency then like it's not like you know one of the engines had blown up and the Thank plane goodness. was spiraling yeah. towards the ground and the, ca- and the cabin crew was just like oh no everything's okay <laughs> it was because the fuel dropped dangerously low and of course that is a significant emergency if a yes. plane runs out of fuel yeah. it's not very good for the people I think, on board yeah, someone forgot but, to um, it or something like that but um the Mayday call was issued um, as an automatic response to the fuel dropping that low, and the plane was able to safely land at Sydney. Like, it had enough time to get to Sydney Airport. So, I think they actually made the right call here. So, would you want to know, Bethany, okay, in this look, situation? Guys, I'm that person on the plane when we get a bit of turbulence, I'm like holding onto the, like, the same. Exactly. I'm resting, I'm like, so, so nothing was really wrong. So, if they got told. Look, I would want to get told, like, don't be alarmed. Like, we just have to make a landing. If, if we just got, like, told we're landing for no reason, I'd probably freak out. I just want them to tell me that it's all going to be okay. Yes. I think yeah. all they would have had to say was, um, folks are just going to have to make an unscheduled stop over just for some refueling. That's what I want. Just yeah, that. that would if been I was going to say anything, but... I don't but think you again. would need to say fuels are dropping dangerously low. We've issued a mayday oh, call. Anxiety oh, levels would just yeah. rise. So I think there. they made the right decision with that one. Well, guys, if you haven't been out in Eltham, <laughs> you probably will have gotten swooped by a magpie. And, you know, anywhere in Melbourne, you've probably been swooped by a magpie. And this week, a magpie at a shopping centre in East Lismore swooped one of the residents one too many times. She fell to her knees and actually injured herself a little bit. And two police came along and shot it on Tuesday. They actually shot the magpie. So we're saying cops shooting magpies hot or hot not? Hot or not. Definitely not. I don't I don't see the point in that. Why can't they, like, relocate it? Like, <laughs> have you ever been swooped, Celine? Oh, when I was, like, three. But I love animals, <laughs> so I would never yeah, do that. Yeah, I think, think maybe shooting is a bit too yeah. far. Yeah. Oh, I just like magpies. They're so evil. I'm so scared of magpies, so I'm, I'm actually, like, unsure. But, look, I've got to say not just because they're protecting their, their babies. It's, you know, yeah. it's sweeping season. I go for Collingwood, so <laughs> <laughs> when Evil. I see a magpie, I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> what about when American shows come to Australia and instead of hiring Australian actors or even just actors who can do an Australian accent well... <laughs> They get an American cast who butcher the Australian Has accent. This happened? I'm, yes, yep. I'm talking about season three, episode one of The Good Place was released oh, our fave show. this week. And I normally love The Good Place, but the accents were horrible. Oh. What do we think? I'm gonna say a not. Me too, because especially because we are Australian, we can pick up pick up on it so easily. I know, and it's cringe oh. to think that other countries are hearing this and listening to this and think that that's what we sound like. We don't. Um, no, we sound much better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so about the grand final. The Eagles actually cleaned their own change rooms after their win, so the cleaners didn't have to do it. What do we think of this? I think that was great. I saw the footage, and because obviously. I mean, I imagine they would be routinely cleaned by cleaners anyways, but I think it's more the fact that obviously, you know, post-grand final celebrations, the change rooms are going to get pretty messy. You know, they're throwing champagne everywhere, you know, Gatorade, whatever. Celebrating. So obviously the change rooms would have been an absolute mess. So mm-hmm. I just think it shows 
real class that they then were like, oh, you know what? We've made this mess. And yes, they had every right to make that mess. But do we have a right to then force other people to clean it up? And they went, nah, let's clean it up ourselves. I really appreciate that. Um, Definitely a hot from me. I think that was great. 100% a hot. What a classy act, Eagles. Good on you. And another grand final related event. And our last hot or not question for this entire show... Bannergate. Now, what I mean by this is, of course, the Collingwood's oh. banner breaking Celine. I'm sure it was just it like tore a bad omen from the start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not good. But you know, did you see our coach Nathan yes, Buckley's reaction? I will after say, that? so nice. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit mean and say that when it first happened, me and my dad nearly fell off the couch laughing. Um, coming from an Essendon supporter. So like Collingwood, we yeah. found it pretty funny, but then... I mean, it was funny. Yeah. Like, grand final, final and this happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then when... um, But then when I saw how upset they mm. were and I was like, oh, I'm, I really appreciated... You know, Buckley would have had so much on his mind about to coach his team in a grand final, would be analysing gameplay, thinking about, you know, making sure that he's got the interchange right and everything and who he wants to match up and how the Eagles going to come out and play and then will we need to adapt our game plan. There'd be a million things running through yeah. a coach's head. And he was like, no, I'm going to go make sure they're okay. Yeah. So Aww. I liked that. And the lady was visibly crying, so it yeah. was so There's nice a lot that of work that goes into the banner. So that her. is a definite hot... Collective hot. Collective hot. I think it's good that we finished on a positive, positive uh, story. And unfortunately, it's the last hot or not. But oh. don't worry. I'm sure there'll be plenty more great radio entertainment <laughs> to come. You're listening to the last ever show of the Weekly Wrap on the scene at 90.7. Now, guys, this week, uh, Season 5 of Brooklyn Nine-Nine dropped on Netflix. Uh, watched it in about two days. And <laughs> As you do. I have to say, I absolutely loved it. Ooh, I've always wanted to watch this I show. I have no idea what this show is about. Please get me up to so speed. I'll, I'll, for anyone who doesn't know, I'll give a little mm. run-through on what the whole premise of the show, and then I'll specifically focus on Season 5. So, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, you may have heard it, because it was in the news a bit recently, because it got cancelled after... So, mm. the season that just dropped on Netflix, that was going to be the last season. Um, it's okay. not a Netflix original. It uh, started on Fox. Um, and then Fox cancelled it, but then NBC swooped in and picked it up. So it's going to be renewed for a sixth season. So that'll be out uh, in the next few months, I believe. But so it's a comedy cop show. So I think when you think of a cop show, you typically think of like, you know, these dark, serious shows about solving crime. This show is not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an ensemble cast. So it follows, um, they've got, it starts off with this group of detectives in New York, NYPD. They've got a new captain, Raymond Holt. He's very, very serious. He shows no emotion. (laughs) Um, There's lots of, like, videos online of him being like, I am so happy right now, and then him being like, I am utterly disappointed right now. And his expression is exactly the same. He has no emotional expression whatsoever. He's very kind of stickler for the rules. And, uh, you know, his squad, not so much. Um, You know, you've got characters like Jake Peralta, who's one of the detectives, and he likes to play a lot of pranks. Doesn't really have um, his life together. (laughs) Um, You've then got the detective Amy, who um, is very much... She loves rules. She's like a self-admitted teacher's pet, sucking up to the cats in a lot. She's very intense, um, she, and she loves stationery. She loves binders. Oh, I love stationery too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots of other fun characters. Um, but what I love about this show is 
it's different to any other cop show. Like I said, it's not really... Yes, there is solving crime in it, but it's not really... The focus isn't on that. The focus, mm-hmm. it's more about, like, their relationships with work at each other and more just kind of, like, I guess, little skits and, and stuff about comedic. their friendships. Yeah. yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah. So, like, for example, um, my favourite episode every year is the Halloween episode. Literally has nothing to do with solving crime. Um, and every year they have a bet. So, obviously, a very professional workplace <laughs> <laughs> where um, the detectives will try and steal an item from the... It starts off as stealing an item from the captain of their squad. Um, So it will be, like, locked in a safe and they'll do outrageous things to try and get it. Um, In one episode, the room is flooded with, like, 100 pizza delivery guys. Oh, I love that. They break through ceilings. (laughs) Um, So as you can see, it's quite, you know, a comedy. But the one thing that I love about it and what I really admire this season is that despite it being a comedy, I think it tackles some really great issues. Um, And it does so in a way that I think just means that people... You know, sometimes if you only tackle the serious issues and really kind of dark, heavy shows, people just kind of turn off. Yeah, so it looks at what the, the season, there's a lot of happy things in this season. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a very, basically uh, a couple who I'd been rooting for. It's a very exciting Yay! thing happened in the season five. So get on that, possibly wedding bells. <laughs> um, but what I will have to say is that the season five also looked at, it looked at sexism within the NYPD when uh, one of the, the female uh, supporting cast member who's up for a promotion and it looks at the challenges that she faces um, because of her gender. And then there's also a really great storyline. Uh, one of the detectives uh, comes out as bi to her work colleagues and then her work colleagues help her come out to her family. Oh, and it yeah. looks at like what that means for her and you know her kind of struggle for acceptance by her family members. But it does so in a way. It's not kind of shoving it down your throat because mm-hmm. there's kind of that comedy element that it's just, I think, a really great way to start conversation. So... Check that out on Netflix. Now, next up, we're going to be talking about... I'm so excited for this. We're going to be talking about our favourite moments of the Weekly Wrap because it's going to be our last ever segment. How sad. Hashtag sad. So tweet us what some of your favourite moments have been. You're listening to the last ever episode of the Weekly Wrap on Sin 90.7. And we've just had a tweet come through from Christopher Neese. It says, Congrats, Weekly Wrap Sin, on wrapping up the show. Always great to listen to and made Friday afternoons that much better. Oh, Should we be very love proud. You, Chris. Thank, <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for the you tweet. So, much. so nice. Our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now it's time for our final segment of the show. Can you believe it, guys? Oh, that is crazy. So we thought that we'd wrap it wrap up the weekly wrap and look back at our favourite moments from the show and the song we just played to you is actually a bit of a hint we just played Beyonce's Crazy in Love if you've oh, just tuned in tune. now we'll let you talk <laughs> about, about this <laughs> why was it a hint there? well you may not know but we actually piloted the show in a graveyard shift where we had the airways from 2 till 6am and we had a 4am throwback hour and let me just tell you it was all the tunes it was Beyonce who else? Oh, Kesha, Gwen Stefani. We love our throwbacks. Perry. It was great. Oh, and I loved it. To be honest, the reason we did it is 2 or 6 a.m. 
pretty tiring. Pretty we needed tough. something to wake us up. So mm-hmm. we thought that, you know, maybe playing some like old school Kelly Clarkson. How 2000s. tired were we? We were like delirious. Um, so that's why we were blasting those tunes at 4am. Mm-hmm. So that's why we thought we'd include that little track there. It's kind of to an ode to where the show all began yes. it with us 4am deliriously dancing in the studio. I love it. Celine, what's been one of your fave weekly rap moments? Ooh. I always love Hot or Not. But oh, probably my favourite moment was when you were swooning over Noah Centennial. <laughs> <laughs> that just made me laugh so much. Peter Kavinsky. You just, you just had to have your own little moment there. You paused and you were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? I think definitely what I'll remember is uh, the fact that we got a new Prime Minister on yes. the day yes. of the show and I was meant to be running the politics segment and it was... A bit after three, and Bethany was like, "Sarah, I need like I need a script. I need to know what you're going to be talking about." Right. And I was like, "Bethany, I can't. I still don't know what's happening. The is changing." I was trying to watch the live streams of Turnbull's tweet and update oh. my script, and just it was Chaos, stressful. Yeah. So, Shout out to um to our politicians for changing the prime minister an hour before we went live. Really appreciated making, that one. <laughs> making oh. the weekly wrap that much more interesting. What about you, Bethany? I have so many favorite moments. Do you know what? My favorite moment each week has been our little review when we've shared like a Netflix series, a yes, TV show, a book. I do love that. I love hearing about what you guys are enjoying. I actually read one of the ones you recommended. <gasps> what did you read? I read um. What Alice Forgot. Oh, Leanne Moriarty. I loved it. So, guys. You know, listen go back to our reviews. Show, <laughs> go back on uh, Apple Podcast. Yep. Listen to Bethany's reviews because they are good. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, guys, I'm so sad that this is coming to an end. Me I too. know. Normally, I'd give the little. Uh, you can tune in next week, but <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can listen to old episodes. You can Get listen to old episodes. Check us out on uh, online on Sin's websites, and you can find us on iTunes. But. For now, it's goodbye from the Weekly Wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast. Previously heard live on Sin (laughs) 90.7.